All righty, guys, today, July the 4th, July the 4th, or, or rather two days from today, this is the, the weekend, the Sunday closest to July the 4th, where we celebrate our country turning 241. You know, we, we celebrate turning 20, turning 30, turning 40. You know, our country is 241 years old. Wow. It's been 241 years, like I said, since the signing of the Declaration of Independence, where our 13 original colonies came together to form a fledgling nation who on July the 4th, 1776, declared their independence from the tyranny of what at the, at the time was the world's greatest power, Great Britain. July the 4th is a day that today is just another holiday where, where often we hope to be off work, we normally fire up the grills, and we enjoy a wonderful afternoon. But here's the thing to remember, guys. July the 4th is all about freedom. It's all about freedom. And freedom, as we all know, is never free. It comes at a very, very high price. Now, our national freedom was not bought by politicians. It was bought by military personnel. Our freedom was not, was not, uh, was not demanded at the point of a pin, but at the point of a rifle. It is, uh, it is for that that we are very, very thankful to all of our military personnel. So I would like to just take a moment to recognize all of our veterans, our current military personnel. Would you be kind enough to stand so that we can honor you appropriately? Let's give our veterans a great big old hand. Guys, thank you. You know, we just uh, a couple weeks ago took our family to Branson, and one thing that they do everywhere is in Branson is they recognize our veterans. They, they do some things well because obviously we thank you, Brother Blaze. We thank you, Sister Sharita. We thank you, Sister Tammy. Sister Tammy, you were in the Marine Corps. Army, my bad. It was Casey who was in the Marine Corps. Okay, you notice I didn't say former Marine because I had a Marine straighten me out one day, Seth, when I said, so you're a former Marine? No such thing as a farmer, Marine, okay? But uh, Army, okay, there we go, fantastic. Well, thank you for your service. We thank all of you for your service because it's because of your willingness to serve that we are free because freedom comes at a price. Our physical freedom, of course, is not free, and so it is with our spiritual freedom. Our freedom from sin, shame, and death was purchased by the shed blood of God's only Son, Jesus Christ. It happened at Calvary some 2,000 years ago. Just like we gave our veterans a hand, can we take a moment to give the Lord Jesus a great hand for giving us spiritual freedom today? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. Beginning in verse number 31, Jesus spoke a few words about freedom. Beginning in verse 31 through 36, it says this, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. They answered him and they said, We are Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. Now saith thou, You shall make us free. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. 
Amen? Our freedom today, our spiritual freedom today is for one reason. The work of Jesus Christ. The work that He did at Calvary's cross. That is why we can sing about freedom. It's why we can enjoy freedom today. You and I as believers should be living in complete freedom. But experience tells me that all too often we choose to not live as free as Christ intended us to live. I could go on into many areas today, but today I believe the Lord wants me to focus on three areas. Okay? I call them the big three. For some of you old-time golf fans know I'm not talking about Jack Arney and Gary Player. Okay? For young basketball players, I'm not talking about the big three hunter of... Of, of Golden State, okay? And I'm surely not talking about the big three of your Yankees, okay? I'm, I'm talking about the big three. For Cajuns, I'm not talking about crawfish, crabs, and shrimp. Okay, I just made everybody hungry right there, didn't I? The big three I believe God wants us to, to, to talk about today and set us free from is the big three of fear, worry, and anxiety. Fear, worry, and anxiety. I've heard a preacher call these the unholy trinity. Fear, worry, and anxiety. They are real issues that every believer has dealt with, or you're dealing with, or you will deal with in the future. I plan to give us a scriptural basis on why these big three should have no part in a believer's life. And then at the close, I believe God wants to set some people free from the big three. I believe just like he cleansed some of you in your thought areas when we, when we had that request. When you said, I've been tormented with some of the things I've been thinking. The Lord touched you. I believe the Lord is going to touch you one more time in this area. Because fear, worry, and anxiety should not be a part of a believer's life. Amen? Let's pray together that the Lord would accomplish what he wants to do. Lord, I thank you for freedom today. I thank you that we live in the greatest country on the face of this earth. I thank you, God, that physically we are free. And I pray today that spiritually we would be just as free. I pray today, Lord God, that you would help me to communicate your word in a way that would transform lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just illuminate your word to people so they'll know how to apply this and and, and that they'd forever be different. Lord, I thank you, God, that no longer will the enemy be able to use these weapons of fear, worry, and anxiety to hold us back from the destiny that is ours. Touch these precious people today as we celebrate freedom. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen and Amen. Let us not forget the final verse of John chapter number 8, verse number 36. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So let's look at these three areas. The first area I want to talk to you about this morning is fear. What is fear? Fear is described and defined as a distressing emotion caused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether the threat is real or imagined, concern or anxiety, something that causes feelings of dread or apprehension. Synonyms include foreboding, apprehension, consternation, dismay, dread, terror, fright, panic, horror, trepidation, phobia, some aversion, or as us Cajuns like to say, the heebie-jeebies, okay? Remember old Saints commentator, uh, hokey guys, you know, that was his favorite word. He'd be like, boy, Jim, I think the Saints quarterback got the case of the heebie-jeebies, okay? 
By the way, that was before Drew Brees. Some of you don't remember that, okay? The Saints used to stink before Drew Brees. You know, I had an experience of that just a few days ago. You see this beautiful flag that we were able to hoist? Well, it didn't hoist itself, okay? I got it out the box and, and, I, put, and, I, and I unfurled it and... And Brother Blaze, it it just didn't hop up there, okay? Now, thankfully, we've done this before, so we have a couple little eye bolts up there. And from where you're sitting, those eye bolts don't look very high, do they? It never looks very high from down here. So I got out a little bit of ladder. Now, we have two ladders, Brother J.D. We have the the heavyweight ladder, which is the one I should have got. And we have the lightweight ladder, which is much easier to carry. Okay, so uh, since I was up here by myself that day, I decided to, uh, um, to, to just do it myself. So I grabbed the lightweight ladder and I bring it over here and, and I get it up in that corner. And, you know, to get it up in that corner, you're kind of about maxed out on that little 24-foot ladder. And, and that's no big deal. I was trying to see what the weight limit was. And then I thought again, Blaine, that I probably didn't want to know what the weight limit was. So I started climbing up that thing. And, you know, you always start out really good. About three, four steps into it, it starts to wobble just a little bit, Seth. And then I thought of maybe going find Hayden, okay? That, that, it's always great to have the young one. You just sent him up there, okay? Brother Rick, remember when me and you were playing with the lights, okay? It was one of those situations again. And uh, about, uh, I don't know, probably up maybe two-thirds of the way there, I was a little tense, okay? I, I was starting to feel fear, okay? And I said, wait a second. I shouldn't feel that. So I actually took authority over that. I said, Lord, I rebuke that spirit of fear. Now, did I just run up to the top? No, I'm not that great man of faith. <laughs> but I made it to the top, okay? It got up there by itself. But, but Brother J.D., when I got up to the top, uh, to say that I was tense would, would uh, you know, hey, I, I got over the fear, but I still wasn't really happy to be up there. Now, some of you are going, well, that ain't very high. Well, good. You see me after church, and from now on, when I got high stuff to do, I'll call you, okay? Because me and Rick figured out I can't call him, okay? We're in here with a little man lift. Now, that's much more sturdy than that little weak, uh, that little weak thing. And by the way, I got to tell you, God provided because I was done with one, and I'm moving to the other side, and Hunter shows up. I'm like, perfect timing, kid. Look, I got the ladder in place. Run up there. Now, he ran up there. But there was a moment where he tensed up just a little bit too. And I realized that that is really a sign of intelligence. Because think about it. I'm smart enough to know that a fall from that area would hurt your pastor. Okay? I'd be sitting in a wheelchair today preaching this sermon. Okay? So, so those of you that just have no fear of heights, you'll run up to the top. You just haven't taken the time to think about what would happen if you were to fall. Okay, but okay, so that that was my little situation with fear. But good news is it's up there. Don't have to worry about it again. Hey, did you know that uh, not all fear is bad? Not all fear is bad. One definition of fear is reverential awe, reverential awe, especially towards God. Now, you see, that kind of fear is not bad at all. In fact, that kind of fear, according to Proverbs chapter number nine, where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that's a good thing. Amen? That's a good thing. Could it be that one of the reasons that we have so much foolishness in our country today is that people have lost their fear of God? Do you think that, 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 that some of the craziness that you see today in our world is because people have lost their fear of God? But before we as a church start casting stones and start judging this world, many in this church 
have likewise, are many in the church today, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about other churches, have lost their fear of God. How can you say that, Pastor? Because as a pastor and a district official for some 14 years now, I've seen some actions in church that could not have been committed by someone who still had a healthy fear of God. Guys, those of you that have been in this church long enough, there's been some people who've stood up in this sanctuary and said and done some things that they couldn't have done if they had a healthy fear of God. So today on a day where we celebrate freedom, let's remember that not all fear is bad. And we as believers in God, we as believers in Christ Jesus, need to have a healthy respect for Him. You know what, guys, if, 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 you're, a, if you're a parent, you're a, your children need to have a healthy respect for you. Blaine, you're, I'm not saying they need to fear you, but I'm saying there needs to be a healthy respect for you. Okay? And, 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 and that's appropriate. Brother Rick, I would imagine that your two boys had a healthy respect for you. Today, they still have a pretty healthy respect for you. Okay? And, and, and that's good. That's, that's, a, that's an appropriate thing. So we need to make sure that we have a healthy respect for authority. You know, the fear that I really want to talk to you about today, though, is is that debilitating, irrational fear that can keep you and I as believers from doing much for the kingdom of God. Listen here. Fear keeps people from giving to God, from going for God, and from getting from God all that He has for you. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Fear keeps people from giving to God, from going for God, and from getting from God all that He has for you. You know, think about it. Just a few moments ago, we we, we received an offering, okay? Sometimes fear can keep us from giving to God. We think that we have to figure it all out. Guys, you want to know a secret to financial freedom? Give to God. Ask God to bless your finances. How do you get God to bless your finances? You give the tithe. You give 10% of what God gives you back to Him. Now guys, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal. Think about the tax bracket you're in. Are you in a 10% tax bracket? Hmm, I wish our government could get by with 10%, don't you? But no, J.D., they can't get by with that, okay? But God simply asked for 10. Could He ask for all of it? Yeah, He's God. But he doesn't. But fear sometimes keeps people from giving to God. Sometimes fear keeps us from going for God. God speaks through our heart. God tells us to do something for him, and fear keeps us from doing it. Maybe it's just at the the grocery store, and God says, pray for that person. Do you do it? Sometimes we don't because of fear. Guys, don't let fear cost you from doing things for God. And then finally, fear can cost us from getting all that God has for us. Think about the children of Israel. The children of Israel were promised the promised land, right? Okay? uh, Moses had brought them out of... uh, had delivered them, had brought them out of Egyptian bondage, and they were supposed to cross over into the promised land. But they decided to check the land out first. And it had giants. And it had issues, okay? And fear cost them the promised land. It cost them 40 years of just going around in circles. Any of you been going around in circles for a little while? (laughs) Sometimes it's fear that keeps us from getting all that God has for us. Let's make up our mind today to stop that nonsense. Amen? Let's make up our mind today that we're going to walk by faith 
and not by fear. Let's look to the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's, it's simple as that. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. If God hasn't given it to us, who gave it to us? The devil. The enemy of our souls loves to use a spirit of fear to keep us discouraged, dismayed, and ultimately defeated if we don't fight against this spirit. Amen? You need to make up your mind that I don't want any of that. I've heard an acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Satan specializes in using false evidence, twisting the facts, and using a spirit of fear to keep us from obeying the Lord. But God has a different take on fear. Psalm 118.6 in the NIV says, The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. Amen? Psalm 56 and 3 in the NIV says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I was halfway up that ladder and it was swaying back and forth, and J.D., I said, Lord, I take, I take authority over this fear. I was like, Lord, you're with me, okay? Now, I kind of wish he'd stuck that rope in that eyelet by himself, but he needed my assistance, okay? But I wasn't going to let fear keep me from doing something that I needed to get done. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I can remember uh, our kids growing up when they were little. You ever had your kids just get scared, okay, and come run into your room? And Seth, you had to go look, look under their bed for boogeyman and all that other stuff. And, and I don't know about you, but, but, uh, but when you have kids that are growing, you don't want them in bed with you, okay? I'm a big old guy. There's not a lot of room, Fabian, for extra folks in our bed. So real quickly, we had to figure out a way to keep Hayden out, Okay? Okay, Hunter, not so much, okay, although he was elbows and knees, oh ooh, my goodness, okay, but Hayden, he would love to cuddle, okay, and he'd, he'd get all over you because he didn't want nothing to do with it, he was scared of stuff, okay, by the way, we're talking like 15 years ago, okay, long, long time ago, all right, he's like, stop talking about me, dad, okay, but um, here's the deal, guys, we used to put a scripture on the root, on the, remember this, Sean? By the way, it was her idea. Most good ideas are Miss Chantel's ideas. But she put up a scripture on their ceiling so that when Hayden would lay in bed, he could see the scripture. And you know what that scripture said? Proverbs 3 and 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but when you can see that and when you can focus on the word of God, it changes things. Now, am I here to tell you that Hayden never ended up in our bed again? My goodness, he ended up in our bed this week. (laughs) Something different. Hayden's like, stop, okay? I shouldn't pick on the toughest linebacker that Berwick High School has. Do you like, are you glad that I said that? Okay, cool. All right, but here's the deal, guys. We stand on God's word. We stand on his word. And his word says that there are remedies and antidotes to fear. Fear is not, as a, is not of God. We need to realize that, and we need to stand on the word that will set us free. You know, uh, we, we, we give out these little devotionals, and, and there's a great little story on overcoming fear that I found, and I want to read it to you. Four steps to overcoming fear. First, be willing to take a risk. 
Yes, you might be hurt or embarrassed, but so what? To overcome insecurity and gain confidence, you must allow yourself to freedom to take a chance. Start writing that book. Take those music lessons. Stand up and speak at the meeting. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know what, guys? A few years ago when I pastored into Zalman's, I joined the volunteer fire department, and I'm actually looking into doing that again. And, and, and do you know, Seth, they use ladders a whole lot in the fire service, okay? And what I did is I just was always the first one up the ladder. Was I scared? Yeah. <laughs> did I want to do it? No. But I just acted myself into practice. I practiced myself. I, I just did it, okay? And before you know it, it never really bothered me anymore, Ronnie. That's been a long time, okay? And I've gained a few pounds. You know, I figured at 30, I could probably bounce a little better off that fall. And 40s, eh, you don't want to fall. But again, what I did is I just practiced it. I just kept doing it till it didn't bother me anymore. So sometimes that's what you got to do. Secondly, learn to laugh at yourself, okay? Man, look, let me tell you, if you don't ever laugh at yourself in the mirror, you're missing some great things in life, okay? Man, I was looking at myself in the mirror yesterday, Ronnie, and I flexed. I was like, oh, not do that again, okay? <laughs> you know, I, it used to be kind of cool when I flexed, okay? And man I, I, man, I had something back there called a tricep. I don't know what's back there anymore, okay? But, but learn to laugh at yourself. Get over yourselves. Get over your obsessive need for approval and acceptance and learn to laugh at your mistakes. Why? Because we all do. <laughs> we, you might as well laugh at you because we do. We're all human. Stop taking yourself so seriously. When you make a mistake, be the first to see the funny side, and you'll find people more supportive than you think. Thirdly, start thinking realistically. It's time to drop the security blanket and realize it's not all about you. You are not the center of the universe, and your little faux pas doesn't mean that much in the big scheme of things. Besides, mistakes are often better teachers than success. And then finally... Reward yourself for little victories. When you complete a project, reward yourself. When you lose those five pounds, reward yourself. When you take advice or correction without retaliating, reward yourself. Often the people we lash out at are those trying the hardest to help us. Get used to the idea that you're valuable, talented, and skilled, and your worth in God's eyes is beyond measure. Stop scrutinizing yourself through distorted lenses and start seeing yourself with 20-20 vision. Once you can do that, your fears will be replaced by confidence in yourself and in God. Amen? So, what is the opposite of fear? Faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. Hebrews 11, one kind of faith. Now, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The choice is yours, whether to continue in fear or step into faith. Make your decisions based on fear or make your decisions based on faith. Guys, it should be obviously easy which decision you should make. I don't know about you, but fear is no longer going to reign in my life. How about you? Amen? So, we've talked about fear. Now, what about worry? What about worry? Worry means it's defined as to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts, to fret, trouble, or plague, an uneasiness or an anxiety. By this definition alone, I think every believer in the house should say, no, thank you, devil. I don't want any of that. 
okay? You ever been, you, you ever uh, been eating at somebody's house and, and, and they had a whole bunch of cool stuff to eat, but they had that one little plate of greens you didn't want none of? And you said, no, thank you, I don't want that, okay? When it comes to fear, worry, and anxiety, you ought to tell the devil, no, thank you, I don't want that. I don't want any of that, okay? Give me some peace, give me some love, give me some, some grace and some mercy, but nah, you can keep that nonsense. I don't want any of that. Sadly, though, churches today are full of people who insist on worrying. I've heard it's a mother's job to worry. But please, moms, dismiss this lie from the pit of hell and choose to put your faith in him who can handle all your worries much better than you can. Mamas, has your worrying ever made a a, a bit of positive change in your family's life? No. Can your worrying make your kid act better? No. Can your worrying make a situation work out right? No. We can worry and waste our time or we can pray and make a difference. The choice is yours. Amen? In Matthew chapter number 6, turn with me there. Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus spoke about worry. Aren't you glad that the Bible speaks about some of these issues? Man, if you're not reading your Bible, you're missing some good stuff. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 25, Jesus was teaching about this. And he said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, not yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought or worry, can add one cubit unto your stature? Then why do you take thought for raiment or clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of all these things. Verse 33, an amazing scripture worth memorizing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Jesus said, don't worry. I've got tomorrow. I will take care of you. It comes back to to verse number 33. Seeking first the kingdom, putting God first, putting that priority first, and then trusting him to order everything else. Now, so many times we try to order everything else and, and we forget to put God first. We think God needs our help. Does God need our help? No. <laughs> He's got this. We just got to trust him. Worrying will not make a difference. An excellent antidote to worry is found in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 7, that tells us casting all your care on him, knowing that he cares for you. There's, two, there's a promise there that he cares for you. Isn't it good to know that somebody's looking out for you? Isn't it good to know that God cares for you? Isn't it good to know that you can cast your burdens, you can cast your cares on him? It's good to know that. Now we need to act upon it. 
You know, sometimes we get in trouble when we know what to do, but we don't do it. <laughs> we know what to do. You know what, guys? Your pastor is always on a diet. And, and my problem's not that I don't know what to do, Blaze. I know what to do. I need to eat less. I need to exercise more. Problem is, I don't, I don't like eating less. And I don't like exercising more. J.D., that's an issue for me. Okay, pray for you, pastor. Okay? Because it ain't that I don't know what to do. I just don't want to do it. Okay? Now, you know what? We can, we, can, we can joke about that. And we'll probably be joking about my weight the next 25 years. Okay? But here's the thing. Some of you, you're talking some real spiritual issues. You know what to do and you ain't doing it. How's that working for you? You, you are letting anxiety and worry keep you up at night. You are fretting about things that, that never come. That's the amazing thing about fear and worry. You will, you will think about scenarios that could never come to pass. And you'll stand, stand up. You'll, you'll stay up at night trying to figure that out. Will you just trust God? Will you just commit that situation to God and watch him work it out? I don't know about you, but I let God fight my battles. He's undefeated. Okay? We have a God who is undefeated. Amen? When you give him situations, he knows how to work those things out. Amen? And that's where we've got to get. We've got to learn to cast our cares on him, knowing that he cares for us. So we've talked about fear. We've talked about worry. Now let's get to anxiety. Anxiety is defined as distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. I don't know about you, but I don't want none of that, (laughs) okay? That's like collard greens. You can keep them. I don't want them, okay? Don't want none of that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. I love this scripture. Just just this past week, I was ministering to someone, and they were talking about anxiety and some things, and I said, here's your answer right here. Well, let me read it to you. uh, Philippians, rather, chapter number four, verse number six. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God. How many could use some of that? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just or pure or lovely or of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Guys, you can have anxiety or you can have the God of peace. Your choice. They're not going to reside together. Okay? If you want to be anxious about stuff, the God of peace will let you. But if you ask him to come in, that anxiety has got to go. Now, how many would rather have the God of peace to walk with you? How many would rather have the peace speaker walk with you? You know, we, 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 we see stories in the Bible where Jesus was in the boat and a big old storm came up and the disciples were losing their minds. And Jesus was what? Asleep in the boat. Blaine, when you have the God of peace, you can take a nap. <laughs> you can take a nap when everybody else is losing their mind. Well, they woke Jesus up. Jesus, we're going down. <clears throat> By the way, do you really think God would allow his son to come and begin his ministry for it all to end on a lake? I don't think so, okay? That ain't how that story was going to end. So Jesus woke up. He's like, boys, chill. When? Be still. And it stopped. Wow. Guess what, guys? You may be in a storm 
that is rocking you back and forth. And that same Jesus that calmed that storm then will calm your storm now if you will let him. Amen? Give him a hand. And the God of peace shall be with you. I want to read this same scripture to you out of, uh, out of the message uh, translation of the Bible just because it just brings some new uh, revelation and just so so easy to understand. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 6 in the message says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. How many want some of that? Sign me up. 